following message is by a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. It's uh, amazing to be here. Uh, I haven't showered before or dressed up for a church service in almost four months now. So it's really, really nice to actually be here and participate. In fact, the uh, last time I preached, I, I preached to an audience of three squishmallows uh, just to kind of give me a sense of people being there. It didn't really go over well, but uh, it's good to actually see people out there. So uh, I, I would encourage you, if you get tired during the message, to just bow your head and pretend that you're praying. That would be really helpful to me. Uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Philemon, Philemon has only one chapter, so we're just going to call it Philemon. And when I get there, I will pray for us, and uh, then we'll start. Let's pray. Our Father, you are in heaven, and yet you are here. And it's kind of weird. It's a little bit different than what we were used to pre-COVID. But that's not an obstacle. Because you are everywhere. And our worship can take place anywhere. While we drive, while we walk, while we work, while we do whatever. We can enter into your presence Give thanks, give praise, and even ask. Thank you so much for the extravagant love that you have already expressed toward us, your children, through Jesus. Father, as we look to the fall and the winter, whatever may come, I pray for each one of us that we continue to abide in you, continue to trust you, serve you, love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, look at Philemon, I just want to start out by saying it as an introverted pastor. In other words, I'm, I'm an introverted person and a pastor. Uh, so far... For me, and this is just me personally, I have loved this season of COVID ministry. I know that sounds kind of weird, and please don't misunderstand me. Uh, the whole thing is an absolute tragedy uh, for people who have lost loved ones, for people who have experienced the illness, uh, for people who have struggled through uh, financially, all those issues. It, it's, a tra- it's an absolute tragedy, but for me personally, looking at COVID as a pastor, I have actually really enjoyed this time. I've enjoyed it so much that I've considered retiring. I know that sounds kind of weird, but you know when we do pre-COVID church, pre-COVID church means meetings and driving here and there and, and doing all of these things that sometimes internally I struggle with. So I think to myself, if I could just retire and continue to do ministry like I'm doing covid ishly 
that's not even a word. I don't know if we can put that in the Webster Dictionary sometime. But, but I just really want to retire. And, and, I, and I can't play the lottery because I don't know how that would look if I won like a half a billion dollars or whatever it is. Uh, so the other day, uh, I take this as a sign from God. Uh, I, I got a little note from Publishers Clearinghouse. No purchase necessary. And so I actually sent it in for the first time ever because I want to retire so bad and be able to do ministry like I've been able to do during this time period of COVID. I've realized one thing, and this is my big idea for today, is that COVID is not an obstacle, but it's actually an opportunity for ministry. It's not an obstacle but actually an opportunity to do ministry. And so I want to look at Philemon, and I want to give us three things that I think Paul did, or I would say that I know Paul did, and would translate today into how we do ministry during this season of COVID. So read with me verse 1. It reads this way. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So if there's anything, if you're taking notes here or at home, the first thing I want you to catch is this. Use every communication tool that is available to you. Use every communication tool that is available to you. Now, there's (coughs) two things about Paul here that I want us to catch. Number one, Paul's a prisoner. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. I know you're all nervous right now. You're going, does he have COVID? (laughs) I I can read minds. Please, it happens to me all the time. Whenever I get in this environment, my throat constricts and I cough. My temperature was taken. I haven't been hanging. Okay, so please don't worry. If I do, you'll get notice. (laughs) But I I don't. It happens every day. Come on, how many of you are like me that you go into the store and suddenly you start to have to cough? right? Anyone? And, and I was doing it in Walmart, and people are looking at me like, why? But anyway, so that's the issue. So I will cough. Please forgive me. To the point, Paul's a prisoner. Paul's a prisoner. In other words, he's not self-quarantined, but he is quarantined. He cannot travel. He cannot go to places like he would like to. He is basically a prisoner. He is stuck. He is not going anywhere. It kind of sounds like what has been happening to us here in the midst of this season of COVID. You really can't travel and move around as much as you would like to. We don't have the same sort of freedom. In fact, as you see today here with the crowd, there are not here as many of us as we would like to be here. But it's the way it is because we are the season that we are in. But Paul did not see being a prisoner as an obstacle. In fact, not only is Paul a prisoner, probably in Rome, but he's writing a letter to someone who is probably about 1,300 miles away from him. Again, he doesn't see that as an obstacle, but what he does is he takes the communication tool, the only one that he really has, and he uses it during a time of imprisonment. He writes a letter. He writes a simple letter. He's writing this letter to Philemon because this letter has great importance and Paul wants to continue ministry. So it's not like he's in prison and he says, woe is me. I can't really do the things that I want to do in terms of ministry. I'm so far from all of the people that I really love. I would love it if we could all get together, but I can't get together with these people. And yet this is not an obstacle, but an opportunity for me to minister not only to a few people, but to the church 
in general. So in the midst of all this, using the communication tools that Paul has, he's writing a letter, and he's going to send people who will deliver the very letter that he's writing. He's saying, this imprisonment is not an obstacle, but an opportunity for me. Now, how many of you love Zoom meetings? Anybody? Really? Nobody here? Wow, I love Zoom meetings. Now, I know you're thinking, boy, this guy's a little weird. And I am. That is true. But I I love Zoom meetings. Uh, Zoom meetings allow me the opportunity to travel all over the metropolitan area and have Bible studies and quiet times with people because when I can do this, I don't have to drive everywhere. So I would put it this way. For April and May, I would say... I filled my gas tank once each month when I'm used to filling it five times. In a normal pre-COVID season, I can drive anywhere from 1,500 to 1,800 miles in a month. Five tanks of gas. It's a lot of money. But with Zoom, I can be anywhere I want to be as long as someone picks up the other side. Now, let me describe my Wednesday nights as they used to be. Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, I had a Bible study with three eighth grade boys. At eight o'clock, we had prayer meeting. At nine o'clock, I had a men's group meeting with guys from Northbrook. And at 1030, I met with our college students for another Bible study. Now, that's a wonderful thing to me because I get to do all of those ministries. I have opportunities to build into the lives of other people, and I don't even have to leave my kitchen. You press out, you go back in, you get to the next meeting. You press out, you get in the kitchen. And that's just a normal evening night for me. I love Zoom. I'm getting to do pastoral ministry like I have never done pastoral ministry before. At one point, I had three students that I was actually meeting with for daily quiet times. I love Zoom. See, COVID wasn't an obstacle, but it was an opportunity to actually minister to people. Texting. How many of you like or have the opportunity to text on a regular basis? It's all of us, right? Texting is beautiful. I figured out the reason why we like texting so much is because we can take our time in answering, right? Because if someone's really annoying us, you know, make them wait a little bit. How many of you do that? Okay, good. At least some honest people here. <coughs> and then also, you know, if you want to stop the conversation, you don't have to carry it on, right? Because if you're in the middle of a phone call, you have to make an excuse. Have you ever done that before? Oh, 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 wait a minute, I'm getting another call. Right? Okay, so, and then we hang up with them because we don't want to talk anymore. But with texting, you can do whatever you want. I love texting. Even during COVID, I've been texting people like crazy. In fact, I used to have like a two-hour screen time, and it got up to at one point, four and a half hours a day, I was using screen time because I was texting so much. For the youth group, I would send them <coughs> one-minute one minute video texts for five days a week, just to kind of get them, pre-COVID. And then we got into COVID, sending them texts. For some kids, I would even pray vocally for them. You know the little option on the iPhones? You can press it, and I would pray for them. There's a lot of things that you could do texting. It's an opportunity, not an obstacle. FaceTime, I hardly ever use FaceTime. Looking at this face, I can't, I have a hard time looking at it in the mirror. And then to see it on FaceTime. So usually when I use FaceTime, I put it down and they can see my ceiling. <coughs> but I still get to have opportunity to minister to people. I've even been calling people. Isn't that crazy? Who calls people on the phone anymore? 
You see what I'm saying? So, so in the end, where Paul was in prison and thousands of miles away from people that he wanted to minister to, he used the tools that he had, letters and others, in order to keep his ministry going. We have that same opportunity. Any tool that you can use, even actually sending a letter, is what I think would be applicable today based on what Paul is doing to Philemon as he writes this letter. So please, take this time as an opportunity, not necessarily as an obstacle to ministry. Excuse me. <coughs> All right, you're still nervous. I can hear some of you. You'd say drink some water, and I would drink some water, but you know what? That doesn't work either. It's a very weird thing, which makes me <coughs> even weirder. <coughs> okay, let's move on. Second thing I think that Paul teaches us in this is pray for others. Let's read verses 4 through 7. Paul says to Philemon, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. <clears throat> for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Second thing I want us to catch, pray for others. So use every communication tool that is available to you. Secondly, pray for others. Paul here in prison, 1,300 miles away, is still praying for Philemon and his needs, his family, and his church. He doesn't stop praying for him. He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. In other words, when I pray for you, brother, I say thank you. Thank God for people like you who in the midst of whatever circumstances you're experiencing, you still grow in your love and your faith in Jesus and you bless the saints who are around you. And Paul's simple prayer is this. <coughs> May God continue to help you to grow, to be effective, to fully know everything that is in Christ for you. Simple prayer. Nothing super large, no crazy words in there. Just quite simply, I pray that you, Philemon, will continue to grow in your love and faith. Now for us, how many of you, in all honesty, when COVID hit, were thinking, man, I have a lot of time for God now. I'm going to spend that time having quiet times I'm going to do Bible studies. I'm going to do all of these things to help me meet God more because when I'm so busy, I don't have time for this stuff, but now I have that time. Honesty, anyone? How many of you felt that way? Right? Now, let's ask the next question. How many of you have actually had the opportunity to do that? Right? It's hard. I remember when COVID started, man, I was reading books. I was spending time. And then suddenly, about two weeks into it, things changed. And it just hasn't been the same since. So I realized a couple things. That if we're going to turn <coughs> this COVID into an opportunity, rather having it be an obstacle, what we need to do, quite simply, is to continue in prayer. Now, you're going to go, duh, we all know that. But what we don't realize is what we need to do, probably, most likely, is we actually have to schedule 
our time with God. See, because if you're like me, what happens when you get up in the morning? You think of something, you know, I need to do this. I'm going to take care of this, and then God, I'll spend some time with you. So you take care of your thing, and you go, you know what? I'm going to check email really quick just to see if there's anything that I need to take care of. So you check your email, and you go, you take care of a couple things that you have to take care of. Finish your email, and go, you know what? I haven't looked at Facebook yet. Looked at your Facebook, and then before you realize it's lunchtime, and you haven't spent any time with God, but you have to eat lunch and if your kids are home from school, you have to feed them lunch and take care of all the things that you have to take care of. And so your thinking is, well, after lunch, then I'm going to meet with God. And if you're like me in your middle 50s, 56 almost, you have to take your afternoon nap, right? Power nap, 30 minutes, take your, take your little nap there, 15 minutes or whatever it is. And you wake up and you're thinking, I have things to do. I better check my email. I better check Facebook. I better do this. And before you know it, it's dinner time. And now dinner time hits and you think, well, from 7 to 11, I have to meet people online with Zoom. And what happens? We haven't truly met with God even though we've been in Bible studies or prayer meetings or what else, one-on-one, -on -one, you have to schedule this time. So if you want to take this COVID time, what people perceive as an obstacle, and make it an opportunity, what you need to do is schedule that time with God. So I'm working really hard to schedule that time from 1.30 to 2.30 every afternoon because that gives me the freedom to move in the morning and then in the afternoon when I'm still in a good place, and the day begins to run down, I can actually spend time with God. You have to schedule it. If you don't or aren't taking that time, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So schedule it. And the other thing that I've been doing is when I text people or email people or, or write people or whatever it is, when I say, and I end every conversation with this basically, almost every conversation, hey, what can I pray for? And people write back, and um, usually it's, it's pretty interesting. And this is, this is one thing I found interesting about COVID. Whenever I ask people, how are you doing? Most of them say, okay or good. It's amazing. Everybody's doing okay or good in the world. I don't, I don't know how that's possible in the midst of COVID. Nobody writes back and say, my world is falling apart. I think in some ways, I, maybe this is a bunny trail, but we're missing the point of, of being able to minister to each other if we're not honest about what's going on. But anyway, they'll tell me, and then I'll go, well, you know, that's nice, but describe what that actually means. So don't let people tell you, yeah, I'm good, or yeah, I'm okay. Ask, why? Why is it? So I usually get two extremes. I usually say something like, uh, you haven't been run over by a car, or you won the lotto. Which one is it in between? Can you give me a little idea? So they'll describe what it is. They'll answer what their actual prayer request is. And then, if it's on text, I will actually pray right then and there, whatever it is. So let's give an example. Juno, I'm going to ask you, please don't say okay or good. Uh, if your world is falling apart and you want to share that with every one of us, that's fine. But do that when we get outside, just not right now. So if I were texting you and I said, brother, what can I pray for? Your answer would be something like? Pray for wisdom for my kids' schooling. Okay, pray for wisdom for my kids' schooling. Because I'm guessing there's a hybrid option in there somewhere. So probably to disappear when everybody else goes back online. But then right away, like this. Dear Father, I pray for Juno to have the wisdom that he needs as a parent to understand what he needs to do in sending his children back to school or not. That's a real prayer. That's my prayer for you. It's been prayed. Do you see how something so simple now becomes ministry to someone else? And the thing that I've enjoyed is when somebody writes back to me, hey, 
how are you doing? And hey, what can I pray for? And then they have the nerve to actually pray back on text to me. Do you see how what was once an obstacle has now become opportunity for ministry? Paul is in prison. He's 1,300 miles away from Philemon, but he is still able to minister to him by actually praying for him. And what I want to encourage you today in the midst of this COVID experience is that your ministry in COVID has not ended. It has not slowed down. But it can actually increase exponentially if you are willing to use every tool available to you to minister to people and if you'll take the time to actually pray personally, communicating with God, and then pray for people immediately right then and there. (coughs) Third thing as we do this. Paul literally shares his faith. Paul literally shares his faith. Let's look at verses 8 through 11. He writes this. He says, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's indeed useful to you and to me. Paul literally is sharing his faith while in prison. Paul had a prison ministry. I don't know how it happened, but somehow Paul met Onesimus. Now, who's Onesimus? Onesimus is a runaway slave. He is Philemon's runaway slave. And I don't know how he did it or what he did, but somehow it is believed that not only did Philemon run away, I mean, not only did Onesimus run away from Philemon, but he actually stole some stuff from him. And instead of staying in, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> instead of staying in Colossae, what he did is he ran to Rome. A little bit like Jonah. In other words, I got this stuff and I'm running away and I'm going to get as far away as I can possibly get so that I'll never get caught and I can live my new life with this money that I took from my slave owner and I can actually live a free life. But God in his providence, where Onesimus was a runaway slave, he would ultimately become a brother in Christ, not only Paul to Paul, but also to Philemon. See, God is in control of our situation, and in that situation, he wants us to continue to literally share our faith. Paul's in prison. He is a prisoner but he doesn't stop sharing Christ. In fact, if you read Philippians, it's talking about how the whole Roman guard is being converted because Paul does not see prison as an obstacle, but as a opportunity. Yes, things have really changed. And so what we have here in this letter is Paul's call to Philemon to actually forgive Onesimus And accept him back not only as a slave, but more importantly, as a brother in Christ. Why? Because Paul, in a tough, difficult situation, in prison, did not see it as an obstacle, but as an opportunity to share Jesus. And when he came across Onesimus, Onesimus said, that is the Jesus that I want, and I want to follow him. COVID is not an obstacle per se. It is an opportunity for us as the church to be the church and to enter into ministry. 
You see, for me, here's what I would want to encourage you if I'm going to bring it into our lives. Here's several things that you do. You can actually minister to people that you know who don't know Christ. And the first one is contact them. Now, some of you may be working with coworkers. That's a lot easier. In my life, I'm hoping that my coworkers are Christians. That was a joke, right? Pastors, Christians. Okay, never mind. Okay, that was a bomb. That was a bad one. But contact them. Uh, one of the things that I do every day is, is, as part of my routine is that I pray for people who I know who aren't Christ, in Christ. Uh, I pray for my kids and my family as well. Uh, my prayer is very simple. I have five children. I have six siblings. Yes, I'm the, the last one. It probably explains a lot. But I have six siblings. They have spouses. They have children who have spouses who have children. I have cousins who are in the same boat. And I have 50 people who are in youth group who need Jesus. Jesus, please reveal yourself to them. Now, it's not just a matter of contacting them, not only praying for them, but actually sharing with them. Some of those people that are on that big old prayer that I just gave to you are people that I've been encouraging to read the Bible. I know you don't know Jesus. I know you believe in God out there somewhere, but want you to meet Jesus. I've been encouraging Bible reading plans, talking about Christ all along. And so, again, these are opportunities that don't happen necessarily pre-COVID, but they're happening now because there's more time to actually do ministry, to take what is a perceived obstacle and to turn it into opportunities. Now, I wish I could tell you that I was effective in my evangelism as Paul is. I don't know, Paul's in prison, he sneezes and someone becomes a Christian. And I think to myself, really? Seriously? Some of these people I have been pursuing for close to 37 years to become followers of Jesus, and it just hasn't happened. I'm not ready to give up. I heard uh, George Mueller had friends that he prayed for 50-plus years who didn't become Christians until after he died. So there's still hope, but the idea is that in the midst of his obstacle, Paul turned it into an opportunity and was literally sharing his faith with people who didn't know Christ. It was so important that he did it that it was a life-changing moment for Onesimus. It would ultimately be a life-changing moment for Philemon and ultimately a life-changing moment for the church that one day would be led by Onesimus. Let me conclude with this. Verse 11, Paul says, Formerly, Onesimus was useless to you. How many of you own small businesses? Anyone own a small business here? We prayed for them. We prayed for you, but small business. Okay, I can't see because of the lights. Your name is? All the way back in blue. I can't. Alan. Okay, Alan. All right. You're wearing a mask. You know what was really interesting? And I know this is a side story and I probably shouldn't be telling you, but I once, during COVID, I went into a bank with a mask on and they didn't think I was a robber. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, Alan. Alan, as a small business owner... If you had an employee who stole a good portion of the money that they made during the work and then disappeared for a few months, what would they be to you? Just say useless. Yeah, useless. You're right. That's a good answer. They would be useless. There's no value in an employee that you hire who steals your profit and then runs off. Basically, what Paul's saying, listen, Philemon, this Onesimus guy, he was useless to you. He robbed from you. He ran away from you. But I got good news, brother. He is now useful 
to you. Because he has become my son in the faith. As it says in verse 10. In my imprisonment, I, I became his father. He became a follower of Jesus. And so I'm sending him back to you with this letter to tell you this great news that your former runaway slave is coming back home as a brother in Christ. Onesimus, who was a slave, has now become a brother. But the beauty of this story, the beauty of the fact that Paul did not see prison as an obstacle, but as an opportunity to ministry, is that Onesimus would one day go on to be the bishop of the church at Ephesus. Isn't that crazy? Obstacle, prison, I'm stuck. I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. No, no, that's not an obstacle. This is an opportunity. I can sit down. I can communicate with people. I can pray for people. I can share my faith with people. And then to see this guy who was a slave to become a brother, to ultimately become a bishop in the church is a beautiful redemption story. Some of my favorite movies and TV shows are stories where there is a redemption plot within there. Uh, just as a short example, uh, how many of you uh, watch Cobra Kai on YouTube? Anybody? Am I the only one? Right? That, what a great show. The acting, horrible. Right? It's bad, man. So I'm looking at it going, why? Why? What is it, Ralph Macho? Man, he needs acting classes. Anyway, I digress. But as I'm watching the antagonist in this, he's like on the verge of becoming a good guy. And every time he's on the verge, I'm literally, I'm watching YouTube by myself because my wife doesn't watch stuff like this. And I'm like, come on, brother. Come on, do it. You can do it. Give it up. Let it go. Get redeemed kind of thing. And then he falls back into it. But I guess that's the tension of the show. But that's what I like, redemption stories. This is a redemption story. It's kind of like the story in our story with Jesus, isn't it? Like we are slaves to sin. We are bound by sin. And then when we meet Jesus, he invites us to come into his family. And we come, become family. We become brothers and sisters who are one. And then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, hey, welcome to the family. Now take a break for the next 50 years and put on the side. But he says, join my kingdom work. Join my ministry. And so this, this Jesus, who is king of the universe, steps down into our world, gives his life to give us life. He redeems us when we come to him. And he forgives us of our sin, sets us free, not just to be free personally, but to be free in ministry. And so while Paul's sitting in prison, thinking about what has happened to Onesimus, he sees the gospel of Jesus Christ played out before his eyes because the slave has become a brother to become a bishop so what everyone else says is dude you are in prison what an obstacle Paul says you don't see it the way Jesus does this is not an obstacle man this is an opportunity I am free to minister in ways I have not ministered to before. And so if I were to take this and place it in our world, I would say this. COVID, an absolute tragedy. 
economically and with the loss of life. Please don't misunderstand me. I know I'm repeating that. But it is not an obstacle to ministry. It is an opportunity before us in ways we have never grasped before. And so instead of cowering back and saying, I cannot do this, we can actually step forward in the power of the Spirit and say, not only can I do this, but I can do this a lot. COVID is not an obstacle to our ministry in Christ. It is an opportunity. So I pray that we will take that opportunity and see God bear fruit. Let's pray. Father, I hope that what we have done here today is to grasp an eternal perspective and placing it in the present and recognizing that This COVID stuff is devastating. And probably devastating in ways that will hurt us in the future. It's not an obstacle though. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to not only meet Jesus, but to serve Jesus. So, Father, I pray for those of us here today, those listening online, that we will take this opportunity and use whatever communication tool that is available to us. Use it over and over again. Use it well. But just use it. I pray that we will actually pray, that we will actually stop, even if we have to schedule it, and spend significant silent time in solitude with you so that in turn as you inflame our hearts we can pray for those that you've called us that you've brought us brought to our mind to pray for and may we pray just pray and father finally we do pray for the opportunity to share our faith with those who don't know jesus there are a lot of people out there who are scared A lot of people who are scared. Understanding that people are literally taking their lives because they can't handle it. You call us to be salt and light and to provide hope. May we be beacons of hope. Let me close with this benediction. May our Father God his Son Jesus, and His Holy Spirit fill us in a way that we see COVID as devastating as it is, not as an obstacle, but as an opportunity to bring Jesus, to bring salt, to bring light, to bring hope to a world that badly needs it. Amen.